Welcome in everyone a Wednesday night of this week in hockey and a special presentation of this week in hockey along with my good buddy Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario leading you up to Blues pregame. That's right. I said it. Blues pregame. Blues open up the regular season tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. 9.30 will be our puck drop. Curbs and Joey will be on that call. And I will have your first community credit union pregame show presented by Auto Center's Nissan starting at 8.30. And Joe, I am so glad we made it to this point, buddy. After a long and grueling offseason, we finally get to watch some real hockey. This is exciting, man. I am so pumped up. This is great. Uh, wow. What a, what a weird 10, 11 months it's been for a lot of people. Alex, I sometimes I think back on what that bubble was like that happened. Like that felt like a dream, but we got through that. And then there was this crazy fall with the winter and everyone's inside and this virus took off around Thanksgiving and numbers seem to be doing a little bit better, but the vaccines rolled out. I mean, it's just, you look at what ha- has happened in the last three months specifically and, the, the steps and the hurdles we're getting through. But to be in this spot, man, I am so excited for these players, for their families, for the league. But I'm most excited for these fans. I know it's not going to look exactly the way we want from the get-go, but it, it's going to be something close. And I know a lot of friends and people around my world and your world too, Alex, have already been texting and calling me, wishing me luck on the call and good luck this season. I mean, just feeling that energy from these people is is what it's all about. And I'm I'm sure excited to get going tonight with Chris Kerber on the call. You know, I've seen it all day today, and I know you don't have Twitter anymore, but everyone on Twitter, Joe, I mean, it's just nonstop people talking about how pumped they are for a Blues game tonight. And I know there was close to 12,000 people watching the live stream on Sunday on that last scrimmage that you and Darren Pang and John Kelly were on the call for. There's There's a thirst right now for Blues hockey, Joe, and I think it's getting even thirstier by the additions in the offseason of Tory. Krug and Mike Hoffman and Kyle Clifford but I wrote about this on 101 ESPN for this morning and this to me Joe feels different this doesn't feel like the bubble the bubble was nice to get hockey back but it never felt real it never felt like hockey if that makes sense this is the first time that I've been excited for a season since March 11th when the the Blues played their last game. I mean, you're talking 300 days, almost a year since that excitement was there. And I really feel like this season is kind of this transition back to normal. And maybe this is the optimistic side of me, Joe, but I feel like this is the start of this season that can transition us back to normalcy, which will hopefully be postseason play, if not next season when they start the regular year in October. I agree. I don't think it's you just being positive, Alice. I think a lot of people feel that way uh, too, because, you know, I think the worst is behind us because, you know, you look back on last March and last summer and we didn't even know what this thing was. I mean, there were people buying out, you know, supermarkets because they didn't know, you know, what the world's coming to an end. Is this the bubonic plague? And listen, a lot, a lot has happened since then. And we have such good data over the last 10 months as far as what this is and isn't at least up to this point. So we've learned about wearing masks. We've learned about distancing. We've learned about how we can control this thing. And not to mention that we've gotten vaccines. Those are starting to roll out. And it seems as if with the spring coming around the corner, with the weather getting better and enough people being vaccinated, you know, talking about next season, starting next fall with this NHL season, hopefully knock on wood, we're somewhat back to normal. So I agree with you. I think that this is kind of the um, the beginning of what I believe is a positive road ahead. 
this certainly is way better than the bubble. The bubble was a situation where you looked at these players and you fell for them. Yeah. Going up to Edmonton, going to Toronto, being away from their families for what ended up for the Dallas Stars and the, and the Tampa Bay Lightning two and a half months of not seeing their children. That was that was gruesome. That was uh, torturous at times and something that I think a lot of the players are still kind of recovering from, recovering from lost time. Uh, players like Barbashev, players uh, like Petrangelo, uh, who's not, of course, with the Blues anymore, but going to not be with their pregnant wives right. and seeing their, their young kids. So this is different. This is going to be where, yes, we're traveling the cities. Yes, there's not going to be a lot of fans at times. But the idea of coming back to your family, the idea of every week or so um, being on the road, you're going to miss them. It's going to be not the same going to Vegas and Colorado. But the idea of hopping back on that plane, an, an end date insight every single week where you can come home, get settled, resettled with your family, your wife, your kids, and your own bed, that is going to be that recharge that these players need. And I think that that recharge is going to lead to that, a better product on the ice, which is ultimately – going to get the fans uh, super excited as well. So again, just a ton of excitement. You know, it's it's not it's not perfect, but it is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be excited to see starting tonight. You know, speaking of that excitement on the ice, Joe, the one thing that I'm really curious about is how this chemistry is going to kind of evolve this season because, you know, with new guys in different roles, Mike Hoffman, Tory Krug, I think Kyle Clifford's going to fit in really well, but how does that work on a team side? Like you were a part of this, right? Where you brought in new guys with Pittsburgh Penguins at the trade deadline. And I know that's different, but you're doing the same thing where you're trying to, you're trying to speed up the process of making sure everyone feels comfortable. But in a season like this, where you can't go out to bars and you can't go out and, and eat and drink and have fun like the guys have done in the past, how do you get this chemistry on a, fast pace to be impactful for a season well i think the first thing to consider when you ever you bring in new guys is you have to look at alex you get to look at where they are in their careers and how they're going to fit in based off of their age and their experience you know when you have a team let's let's just take the detroit red wings or the ottawa senators uh this coming season they're going to have a lot of youthful additions okay so mm -hmm. the ability for that those teams in, in, in particular to figure out their way. It's going to be more of a challenge. It's going to be a patient game for the Chicago Blackhawks because they have a lot of youthful players that are going to take a lot of time for them to kind of find that rhythm, find that flow to what this team is needing of them. Now you look at the St. Louis Blues on the contrary. Let's look at the three big additions they brought in and Tori Krug, Mike Hoffman, and Kyle Clifford. A very, very different class of additions. And what I mean by that, these are veteran, seasoned, grizzled guys who've been in the league a very long time. You got Kyle Clifford, who's been, who's won two Stanley Cups. You have Toy Crew, who's been to the final for two years. And then you have, um, of course, Mike Hoffman, who's been a, an elite goal scorer, not only with the Ottawa Senators, but with the Florida Panthers as well. One of the biggest uh, unrestricted free agents of this offseason. So the three additions you're bringing in, They've already been in this league a long time. They know the ropes. They know what it takes to be a champion. They know what it takes to get to the finals and win a cup, right? So they have that, that amazing experience where they're going to come in and they're just going to be pros from the get-go. Mm -hmm. The relationships are going to be solid right away. They're going to understand the coach's message and they're going to have the mature mindset to, to wrap their brains around that message and that concept and that culture and just get right after it. So for me, I don't know if it's going to take very much time at all. I think it's actually – I think the Blues and this team – I know with the three additions, it is seems like a lot, especially when you look at the departures as well. 
with Petrangelo gone, steamed on, we're, all, we're always still always miss Jay Bomeister. Mm-hmm. But I think that it, it, they are going to hit the ground running, and, and I can only say that because that's what I feel. But also from the scrimmages that we have both watched, Alex, I mean the the power play, for example, in that scrimmage the other night, that was exceptional. I mean. Seeing the puck movement, you would have thought those five guys with Hoffman and Krug in the additions, you would have thought those guys had been together for the past three seasons and this was an all-star game. I mean, that's how efficient it was. And that, again, I just come back to the maturity of the additions and how I think these guys are just going to – they're going to find that groove right away, man. I think they're just going to hit the ground running, and they need to. They need to because I've said it all along. If you you start slow this year, you're doomed. I think these players know that. They're responsible enough to understand that we got to get going on a right foot early and often if we want to stay in this thing. Joe, final one before we get to Chris Kerber. And we got Kerbs joining us um, this hour. Darren Pang joining us this hour. A really fun show for you, uh, leading you up to Blues Hockey tonight, which starts at 8.30, our pregame coverage. What do you think this rivalry is going to look like with the Colorado Avalanche? And I ask this because Ben Hockman of the Post-Dispatch put an article out talking about how, you know, this could turn into a rivalry that the Blues have had with the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. And I don't know if you can build that in just one season, but the fact that you're playing this team eight times in a matter of 116 days and then possibly could see them in the postseason – I feel like this could turn into one of the bigger rivalries in the NHL after this year. I think it's going to be up there. You know, I I still have a lot more belief in a St. Louis Vegas rivalry simply for the personalities of, you know, Ryan Reeves. Now we have Kyle Clifford. I think there's just a lot of a bite and bark in that, in that matchup uh, more so probably than Colorado, especially because now Zadorov, one of their big, their big heavyweights has now left. So you're not going to see as much physicality, I think, from the Colorado side. So I still like, I still like the Vegas St. Louis as the top rivalry in this division, but right underneath that, Alex to me is Colorado. Uh, simply from the, from the eliteness, I think of both teams, I think the pressure, I think the pressure that both teams feel, uh, they know they're in for a fight every time they play each other. You know, I think of last year and the year before, I mean, some of the most exciting enthusiastic games I've seen the blues play were against the Colorado avalanche specifically when they went out to Colorado and played in the Pepsi Pepsi Center, I think back on Colton Pareko's overtime heroics. I think back on some of Jordan Benson's best games were against the Nathan McKinnon, Ranton, and power play when they were just buzzing and flying pucks all over the place. So I think from the sheer eliteness of both teams, that's what's going to make this rivalry so special. And I think that uh, whatever team can have the upper hand heading into those playoffs is going to be important because, as we are going to see very shortly tonight, this is a massive juggernaut when you look at this lineup and I know a lot's been said about the best player in the National Hockey League being Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby kind of flirting right there. But that third guy, that third musketeer, which is always in the mix, is Nathan McKinnon. To me, for some reasons, I think he's probably the most elite NHL player right now, and he really leads that team um, from every zone of that ice. So it's going to be a big, big game tonight, and it's, it's kind of exciting that they're starting out with such a great team, as Braden Chen said the other day. He goes, we got to play him eight times. We might as well get him when we're fresh yeah. and get off on the right foot. So it'll be an exciting one tonight, and, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey, an extended version as we lead you up to our first Community Credit Union pregame show presented by Auto Center's Nissan. It starts at 8.30. Our network pregame begins at 9, and then puck drop at 9.30. Joe and I will be back with Chris Kerber, our broadcast partner, next here on 101 ESPN.
Back in here on a Wednesday night along with Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey and as we are leading you up to 8.30 tonight, which is our first Community Credit Union pregame show presented by Auto Center's Nissan. And then we continue on with the pregame at 9 o'clock and we will get into puck drop a little after 9.30. And Joe, we, uh, we continue on with This Week in Hockey by welcoming in our third partner on the broadcast later on tonight, Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. And I am emphasize voice of the blues because curbs that voice is in prime shape after a hundred plus days off correct it is and with a polyp removed uh, who knows how long we can go so they, they can start the games late we can play uh back to back to back to back to back to back to back and we'll still be fine so uh, uh look, look out joe i'm ready to go Hey, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Curbs, I'm just curious. You know, we're going to be calling these away games from Centene like we did in the bubble. Have you thought about how this situation is going to be different this season compared to what it was like back in August? Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, in, in some ways it's going to be different for us because the the, the production stuff we're seeing, it, it's going to be – there's going to be some different challenges, but I think I think our engineer, Dodie Rollman, is on top of those. So technically I think we're in some – some great shape with the work that he and Marshall and Craig have done. Um, but, but, but I also think that, you know, it, the way these teams are going to kind of have to be on a lockdown a bit while they're on the road and then, and then go into some of these buildings. I'm looking forward to seeing if you see a difference, whether or not they're, you know, they're in one city where you can't have fans and then you go to a city where maybe they can put a couple in there, you know, or what it might be like if, you know, if if when the Blues play San Jose, they're not allowed to be in, in San Jose, and they're playing them in Phoenix, and what that experience could be like. There, there there's still some absolute mind melts that could be coming uh, coming down the pike here with the way this season is set up. So, Curves, how do you think it's going to go with 56 games, 116 days? That's the important part because, look, you're basically playing every other day. And, Joe, you can talk about this, too. That's not an easy task for hockey players, what it is for baseball players, where they play so many games in so many days. These hockey players usually take a couple of days to recoup their bodies after playing in a night. Joe, I'm gonna, and Alex, I'm telling you, I think the players are going to like it. Really? I could, no, I could be I could be totally wrong on this, and I we probably would be better off deferring to Joe <laughs> in terms of uh, the fact that he's actually played in those scenarios. But I'm I'm telling you from a travel standpoint, I would have no problem if if this became a little bit more of the norm in some way, shape, or form. I think it's going to ease the travel. It's going to ease it. Now, when you look at the Blues schedule, and and you realize that. In the month of March, so just, I'm sorry, going in towards the, towards the month of May, right? The, the St. Louis Blues, because of the way the schedule breaks out, end up playing Colorado three times in a row, and they end up playing Minnesota four times in a row. So that that's a wild one in terms of its own little mini mini series, right? So in, in the span of what will be essentially two full weeks, the Blues will only play two opponents. You know, it'll be, it's in the month of April. It's April 20th to the 24th to play in Colorado three times. And then April 26th to May 1st, they're playing Minnesota four times. That's a little bit too much in my book, but that's just the way things kind of shake out. Now, I actually turn, I'll tell you that with the way the season could go for Minnesota, there's a chance that that could be very beneficial scheduling for the St. Louis Blues. But I, I, I like the fact that, they're in the city for a couple of days to ease the burden of what this season could be. And, uh, and Jonathan Taves, I guess, Joe, has 
has been talking about this quite a lot uh, over the last couple of years leading in, asking, like, why, why did we go to New York City three different times, right? And I'm sure the feelings in the East are very different than those from the teams in the West, but I think this is beneficial to the teams in the West. Oh, I like it a lot, Curbs, and I really, really hope. I mean, in a perfect scenario, I think you look at next year, maybe they keep this consistent as the schedule outlook looks where you have the two games in a row against the same team because the players would love it. The only thing that trips players up and personnel up right now is the fact that they can't leave hotel rooms. So the players aren't allowed to go for walks in Vegas or Colorado or go to their favorite restaurant. So that's where it's tricky now, but definitely next year. When they're allowed to get out of their hotel, when fans are hopefully not going to wood back in buildings, to me, this is a perfect situation. And I think it's really going to ease the burden of the travel. But you, you brought up travel, uh, Alex and Curbs. I got this question the other day, and I really kind of had to rethink how it was kind of uh, laid out in my mind. For a while there, we kept thinking we're going to be depending so much on this backup goaltender with how condensed the schedule is. But Curbs, we were mentioning on the broadcast the other day, First 56 days, the Blues have 28 games, so it's pretty much every other except a couple scenarios in there where there's a back-to-back or maybe two days off. But for the most part, it's play, day off, play, day off. Do you think we're going to see Billy Huso as much as we were predicting maybe two months ago? Yeah, I still think you're still going to – I mean, I, the, the, and you probably had the same conversation with with, with, with Panger that I had along these lines, but – if you if you average out what a if you think it's going to take you a minimum of 650 hockey to make the playoffs, you're talking over the course of a 56 game schedule somewhere in the area of about 74 to 78 points. If Jordan Bennington, you know, were to get you say third, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, about 50 of those points, right? So he's you got to figure he's getting you 25 wins. He's probably playing. You know, or the equivalent of it, he's probably playing 30 to, you know, 34, 35 of those games. Um, you know, Billy Huso is still going to probably have to get you 24, 25 points, which is 12 wins over, you know, maybe about 20 games. So I, yeah, I, I still think you're going to see him, you know, in, in a decent number of games. The only thing that would, would change that up for me, Joe, to your point, is because you're not traveling the same way. I mean, and, and this is this is big right, here. Right. right. I mean, look when the Blues used to go out west, right? You would play Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and one of those one of those sets would be back to back, right? And it might so you're 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 getting into cities at one or two in the morning, and they're playing the next day. The fact that you yes, you do have some back to backs, right? But in some cases, it, 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 well, in pretty much in every case, you're in the same city. And you're not dealing with that travel. Um, I think that could play a role in it. So if he gets on a roll, you know, and 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 take March for ex- for example, you play on Monday, you play on Wednesday. All right, there's four games in six days. I would expect Billy Huso to play one of those games. But if if Bennington played on Monday, the first of March against Anaheim, and Huso ends up playing the third, I I don't see any issue with Jordan Bennington going back-to-back on the 5th and the 6th, considering you have five days off before you play Las Vegas. So um, I I could see the goaltender actually playing in some of these back-to-back situations. Curbs, it's great catching up with you. Thanks for hopping on with This Week in Hockey. Go rest those pipes, and uh, we look forward to hearing you and Joe once we get to puck drop at 930 tonight.
All right, guys, uh, we'll see you here at the practice rink in just a little bit. Once again, that's Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber with us here on This Week in Hockey. Of course, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario. We'll take a break. When we come back, Darren Pang, Fox Sports Midwest, the little guy with gumption, joins us next to preview tonight's matchup here on 101 ESPN. Back in here on a Wednesday night as we get you set for the Blues and Avalanche, which is coming your way at 9.30 tonight with Curbs and Joey. Our extended pregame starts right now as we continue on with this week in hockey. And, Joe, who better to bring in for the broadcast tonight to uh, get us set up than the little guy with gumption, your good buddy, my good buddy, the Darren Pang. Panger, how are you tonight, sir? You know, I'm fantastic. I'm, uh, like everybody else, um, a little uh, cooped up and ready for this to start. I, I really honestly can't believe that the season is starting uh, this evening, and I'm so looking forward to it. Well, that's where I was going to ask you. Did you ever think at any time that this wasn't going to happen, Panger? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I've come up with the philosophy in my life, and it might have been an assistant general manager when I first broke into the uh, into pro hockey that, that said to me one time, he said, Darren – Boy, fear of the worst and hope for the best, son. And I looked at him and I said, you're sending me down, aren't you? And he goes, to, Sa- to Saginaw. <laughs> so fear of the worst and hope for the best is something that I've always thought about because I think then you, you, th- then you can anticipate that maybe it's not going to go as well as you think. Don't get too excited about it. So, um, But with that being said and, and witnessing what they did with the bubble and the playoffs, the return to play, um, I, I felt pretty confident based on what the other sports have done and that there was a commitment here by the owners, by the NHLPA, and by the players uh, to get this thing moving along. Darren, what's going to be the biggest challenge for these players? You know, we, we're talking more and more about this tough division going up against the heavyweights of Colorado, which they will be starting tonight. But, but you've been in those locker rooms, and you, you see these players. You have a great relationship with them. You understand the situation of going to these road games and these road cities. They're not allowed to leave the hotel. They can't go for walks. They can't go to their favorite dinner spots. Is the challenges for these players, much like the bubble, going to be more off ice than on ice? Yeah, I think, you know what, I, I do believe so. But unlike the bubble too, Joey, where they really were away from their families. I mean, if, you know, if, if uh, for example, like Ivan Barbashev leaves the bubble, comes home, his wife has a baby, he has to leave and go back. I mean, I think there's some lonely times and some um, anxious times. And, you know, Joey, you're a, you're a family. You've got 17 kids. Uh, you understand what I'm talking <laughs> it's true. about. It's true. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I think that was the toughest part for then. Now, I think the excitement of going on the road, uh, playing four games in, in eight nights or six nights, and then knowing that you're going to come home. You know, knowing you're coming right home and you're going to your house and being with your family and being with your young one and being with your wife or just, you know, you know, if you're a single guy, you're hanging out with the guys here, but you're back on home base. So, um, you know, I, I think that the motivation on the off days is important. And I also think having a team that's got great camaraderie and Joey and, and Alex, you know that the Blues have great camaraderie. Listen, I, I talked to I talked to Ryan O'Reilly about this and I asked him about the flight and he said, you know what, that's our time. That's us. That's, that's our time together. You know what? Maybe we're not going to be able to get together a lot on the road because we're staying in the hotel, but we like the flights. We like going up and down the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the plane, and we like playing cards, and we like hanging out. So, you know what? I, I think this is a great group for this. The other part is 56 games in 116 days. That's a challenge. So, you know, staying healthy, uh, making sure that the players that when they're getting in and out of the lineup that they're ready to go and be pros because there's no 
there's no dipping your toe in the water here. And if it's a little cold, you better jump right in because otherwise you're going to be right behind the, the pack. And the Blues know that, and you can't afford to get behind it. Let me ask both of you guys this because both of you have great relationships with the majority of these players. How much is COVID a fear factor for this upcoming season? Because this is uncharted territory for the Blues. I mean, you know, they were paused when the COVID really started to spike, and then they played in a bubble where they were basically sheltered away from everything. This is the first time that they're kind of out in public in a season traveling with all of this going on. You know, Joey, I'll, I'll let you answer that first if, you, uh, if, if you'd like to go there. Um, um, I think, you know, because I, I, I think that you've got a real good feel of it as well, having a young family and, and protecting yourself. You know, what I'll, what I'll say to that, Darren, before I hear from you, at least what I've, what I've heard from players, um, I think that we've learned a lot in the last 10 months. You know, I think you ask these guys how they feel about this back in March or April. I think everyone, including myself, was very scared. We didn't know who this mm-hmm. was going to affect. We didn't know if it was young babies, pregnant women, um, kids our age group, everybody, right? We didn't know if it was contagious through the hands, through the mouth, through hugs. I mean, we were lost. I mean, a lot's happened over the last 10 months. And I think these players, you know, Darren and I, we, we, we catch these guys away from the rink as well. And the vibes we've gotten, that a lot of these players have gotten it. A lot of their buddies have gotten it. And, and knock on wood, they're okay. Everyone's been okay in that age group. Uh, they're very relatively healthy young athletes, so that's been a very positive thing. So I think to answer your question, Alex, how are they feeling about this virus and traveling? I think they're okay. I think they're obviously not 100% feeling safe, right. but at the same time, I do think that they know based off of the data that's been given out with how this thing has not really affected young kids and, and their age group. I feel like they feel a lot safer about it, and they feel more free to get on these flights, to go to these cities and play these games and get back to doing what they love. But uh, aside from that, to me, Darren, I, that's that's kind of the vibes I've gotten from this group. Yeah, you've covered that really well, well Joe. And I, I think the other part that I can throw in there is uh, the concerns of COVID is I think these players fully understand their responsibility as adults. I mean, they've seen what's going on in the world today and the lack of respect um, and the lack of, a, you know, taking control of things. And I think the responsibility that I've talked, the players don't want to be the ones that ruin it for others. Yeah. And so for that, I think they're, they're doing a great job. I'll give you an example. And I know uh, the just retired and the uh, just one of the most wonderful people that you, you ever run across is Alexander Steen. And we know that he just had a, a, a baby that was born prematurely on. And, you know, I went over to his place the other day just to drop something off. And to give you an example of of, uh, of how serious these players are taking uh, COVID-19, we were outside. I kept my mask on. I was on his stoop. It was freezing cold, by the way, and I didn't have my toque on. <laughs> and you know, and you know, he stayed by the door. I stayed down, like down below the stairs. We were probably eight to ten feet apart. You know, for thirty minutes. I mean, so that's what the players are like. That's what they're doing. They're, they're taking this extremely seriously because they know people have been affected and they know that they've got a responsibility here. We're talking with Darren Pang here on This Week in Hockey. Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario. Panger, I want to throw another topic at you uh, because this is something that I have seen over these last couple of days, and I understand it because basically you're going off of what you've just seen, and it was the bubble play. Jordan Bennington. I've seen a couple of lists now that have him as the 13th, the 12th, the 15th ranked goaltender going in to this upcoming season, and I'm not really curious about where you rank him, but I'm, I'm wondering what your faith is in a Jordan Bennington right now because – 
it sure seems like a lot of people are down on him just because of six, seven, or eight games that were played in the bubble rather than what we've seen from his first season of winning the Cup and then last season winning 30 games in the regular season. You know, those rankings are, are very typical of uh, what have you done for me lately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been asked throughout the 30 years that I've been retired and been in broadcast and always, you know, can you come up with these rankings? And <laughs> what I have found is everybody forgets about, you know, yesterday. They, they absolutely forget what the goaltender did to get a team to a Stanley Cup. And, and no better example, actually, than Jonathan Quick the last few years. I mean, how quickly did Jonathan Quick just fall off the map? Is he a good goalie? Of course he's a good goalie. Is he in a bad environment? Of course he's been in a bad environment, and he's looked maybe sometimes bad because of that. I just recently did a, a ranking on NHL Network, and uh, uh, I actually had Bennington in my top ten. Yeah. Um, you know, not with the Vasilevskis and the Carey Prices and even Tuka Rask for what he's done the last, you know, two, three years. Um, even Connor Hellebuck has taken a step up. But, but I clearly based on a season ago and backing up a Stanley Cup win with a 30-win season, um, I still have him in my top 10. Now, this is this is where it all matters, though. I mean, yeah. we're, we're starting it off. There's no Jake Allen. There's no, you know, there's no veteran backup support that, that, that these players adore and would and will go through the, through the wall for in Jake Allen. Um, there's a young goaltender in Billy Huso. There's a lot of pressure on both these goaltenders. Um, and especially on Jordan Bennington because he's the guy that's got to lead it. He's the guy that's got to get the Blues off of the right foot. And I can I can only relay this along with Joey and, and Alex. I've watched every skate um, except for two morning skates before the scrimmages, and he looks dialed in. Yeah. He looks like a different guy than when he when he returned to the bubble. He looks like a guy that his attention to detail, his strength, his mental. I think his mental, uh, not freshness, but I think he's got a, a real good uh, look about him when he gets in that net. Hey, Darren, another player that uh, a lot of eyes are on is going to be one of the new guys, and Mike Hoffman. You know, he, he made great headlines yesterday talking about how this is the best team he's ever been a part of. He's been a part of Ottawa. He was down in Florida. But he's been in the Eastern Conference, and we've seen this with different players. I look at, I think a player like Kevin Hayes, who leaves New York, goes to Winnipeg for, you know, the, a quarter of a season, and then he signs in Philly. A lot of these Eastern Conference skilled guys, they come to the West, they realize what it is, and like, whoa, I'm going back out to the East because it's a little bit more skilled. Uh, tempered game, let's just call it like that. Mike Hoffman, not a huge player, not known to be playing a very big, heavy game. What's going to be the biggest challenge for, for him five on five so that he can get into the gelling and the right uh, framework for this St. Louis Blues team? Um, battling, like w working, uh, coming back to his own zone. If you're the first man back, the Blues have really worked hard on, on their system, what makes them the team that they are. And when that puck is turned over, that that you know that first two or three steps that you have to have going back to your own end through the middle of the ice, tracking through the middle, getting right to the front of the net, that is essential. And it, and if you're not there, then it ruins the system. It's the same thing in the forecheck. Uh, that first man in has to be in strong, but more importantly, your second man in has to be in quick. He can't be lollygagging to get to where the first man in on the forecheck is. So uh, first man in, second man quick. So th these are the little things I think. Um, the attention to detail with our team is essential because otherwise everything breaks down. And the minute that Mike Hoffman doesn't get in there a second man quick or doesn't get in there on the puck quick and, and battle for pucks and be firm on pucks is the minute that we're going to hear the voice of Chief. And when the voice of Chief comes over the, over the microphone, 
it'll catch his attention like no coach that he's ever had before. He was in Ottawa where they went to a conference final loss in double overtime to Pittsburgh. I did that series, and that was a really good team. It was a loosey-goosey, but it was a really good team. And he played with Zibanejad a lot in his early part of his career, and that was the best centerman he's ever played with. Now he's going to play with Robert Thomas quicker than Zibanejad and has his hands as silky smooth as Zibanejad. So I think that will be good for Mike, for Mike Hoffman. But the other things, uh, just being heavier on pucks, not being one and done, not ripping a one-timer over the net and around the glass and down the other way, those are the things that would drive any coach crazy. And I think Hoffman totally understands what he's into here. Panger, should this season be anticipated as Robert Thomas's breakout year? And I say that in understanding that this kid has had incredible two seasons so far in the NHL that have just continued to get better. But I have a feeling this year is going to be a big one for Robert Thomas. I do, I do too, Alex. And I, I, I know... You know, he expects that. This kid's a winner. I mean, that's all he's ever done is lifted a championship trophy over his head, no matter what age. So his standards are extremely high. And, you know, I I, I just think the responsibility of him being a centerman on the second line, knowing that they've pushed, you know, Shen, who loves playing center, who loves playing with Schwartz, I think there's a big responsibility for Robert Thomas, and he doesn't want to disappoint anybody. Uh, He doesn't want the coach to come down 20 games from now and say, okay, Robert, that didn't work. You're going to go down with Bozak again, and uh, we're going to do what we've just done for two years. That's a, for me, that would be a step backwards. Uh, a step up would be staying in the spot that he's in right now and, and having the Schwartz, Thomas, and Hoffman line just be buzzing like you read about and uh, being counted on for the coach. So um, I don't know what, I, I don't quite know, you know what he is right now. Is he? I mean, it's a 56-game schedule. So let's say, is he a 17, 30, 47-point guy? Maybe that, that, that might be the numbers that, that work out well for him. But I think what he's going to be is a great two-way hockey player. And if this isn't the breakout year, I wouldn't be worried about it because uh, then next year will be the breakout year. Uh, we can't wait to get this one underway. You'll see Darren Pang and John Kelly on the call throughout this season on Fox Sports Midwest. Panger, it's great to catch up with you, sir. Great call on Sunday with Joe Vitale and John Kelly. And we look forward to kicking off the season and uh, hearing from you a lot this season. Alex, thanks for having me on. And you, Joe, have a great season. And looking forward to listening to you guys on the radio side this evening. Always love getting to talk with Darren Payne, a little look at what this season could look like. And, of course, a couple of Blues different angles. We'll take a break here on This Week in Hockey and come back with more continuing our extended coverage before we get to our first Community Credit Union pregame show presented by Auto Center's Nissan here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Final time tonight here on This Week in Hockey. Joe, before we go any further, man, I wanted to do a little, uh, I guess, a little superlatives with you or what Jimmy Fallon likes to do on uh, in his tonight show you know most likely to and I think we do this with the NHL teams so I'm going to throw a couple at you Joe and you give me your opinion how's that sound oh I love it Alex love games I'm a big game guy you uh, know that. well you always beat curbs at him so I mean that's why I figured you and I'd be perfect at games <laughs> yes. he probably well, doesn't go well yeah he that did that well. <laughs> that did not go well at all all right Joe first one for you the team most likely to win the Stanley Cup uh can we so is this can I, is it not including the Blues? Yeah, let's take the Blues out of this because, look, we're all, we're all on the board with the Blues. We're all talking okay. positive about the Blues. Take the Blues out of these answers. Okay, so I'm going to take the Blues out of the answers just to be fair because I don't want any bias you know, to come in and think, oh, he's just being a homer. Exactly. Okay, so if, if we're not talking about the Blues for any of these questions, uh, the team that most likely win the Stanley Cup this year, I think to me, Alex, I am going to go 
with the... I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got Todd Reardon. He's back. I think that power play is going to get going again um, to where it was when he was the assistant there. Uh, they got the young stud goaltender. I think Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, I think they're... I think they realize that this window is 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 almost over. I think that they're creeping up their own age. I think uh, Evgeny is kind of been on the trade block as far as maybe there's some trade rumors of him maybe moving on. So I just don't know how much longer with Crystal Tang that party is going to continue. So I, I really feel like they're internally going to feel that that they have about one or two more years of a solid run left, and I think they're going to go after it this year. You know, the team that, that I think of, Joe, with this, and look, everyone wants to go Colorado or Vegas or Tampa. I picked the Washington Capitals, and mm. I know people are saying that they got goaltending issues because they don't have Braden Holpe. They, yeah, they got another young stud as well in goal, um, and then with the Henrik Lundqvist stuff that came about. But I really like that addition of Zdeno Chara this season. I think he is going to – add a little bit of fire to that roster that knows they could be blown up after this season. I mean, Ovechkin's a free agent. Oshie has been in the rumors of possibly being exposed in the expansion draft. So this might be the last shot for Washington. So I'm I'm going to pick the Washington Capitals um, in this one. Okay, another one. Team most likely to be out of the playoffs other than Ottawa. Don't pick Ottawa in this one. But the team most likely to be out of the playoffs in Canada. In Canada, uh, the team most likely to be out of the playoffs. Don't go Ottawa, though. Ottawa's the simple uh, one. You know, the, the Canadian division is going to be fun to watch because it really is any man's game. I think I think you could see any team at the top. I think it wouldn't surprise me to see any teams in the playoffs except Ottawa. But to me, I think the team that you will not see in there, I'm going to have to go with – I'm going to go with something really, really crazy here. Hang with me, but the Edmonton okay. Oilers. Oh, I just, I, I don't, I, I know, I just, I don't know if, yeah, I just don't know if. I think teams have just gotten them figured out. I, I don't like their goaltending situation still, uh, even though um, they brought some other guys in. I, Dave Tippett to me, I had him in Arizona. He, I, I don't know if he's necessarily the right guy for that group specifically. Got a, got a lot of young players, a lot of freewheeling guys, and I just, I hate top-heavy teams. And I look at Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. You shut those two guys down, which I think Calgary and Vancouver, and I think they got the playbook on them. I think they just don't have the depth to do it. I don't think they have the defense to do it. Uh, I don't know. Alex, to me, Edmonton Oilers, I do not think they make the playoffs. You know, Vancouver to me, and this is so funny for me to say this, Joe, because we just saw what Vancouver could do in the postseason last year against the Blues. But Vancouver to me is a team that I don't know if they can make the playoffs. I know they got Quinn Hughes. I know they got Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser. But they, they took a step back defensively when they lost uh, Tanev, and they got Nate Schmidt, but that's a that's a flip-flop there. But the goaltender thing is the part that gets me. I just don't know if Thatcher Demko can take over what Jacob Markstrom did for Vancouver. And in that division, it's not going to be an easy division to make it in like you mentioned. So, I mean, because what, there's seven teams in that division and four make the postseason. So there's going to be three of those seven that just aren't in the playoffs this year. So um, I, I think... I, I may throw some money down on you on that one. I actually think that Vancouver... Can- can actually win the division really I'm, i can uh i i you give me some good odds i i, I actually i disagree i think Dr. demko is the guy for the position and i look at what they did last year i think they kind of got over that hump they got into the playoffs i think they're moving on from the sedina era and i think with jt miller and quinn hughes going to keep continuing and Pedersen. i mean they have a lot of young studs now they have the playoff experience i think they're going to hit the ground running and I think they could actually win the division. Boy, that might be an interesting bet you and I do on the side for this upcoming season because, uh, yeah, I'm on the polar opposite of that. I love it, too. All right, Joe, uh, a couple more before we get out of here. Team that is going to be a bust this year. 
A team that's going to be a bust is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they make the playoffs, but it'll be an early exit. They're going to be a team with uh, one week heading into the playoffs. I think they're going to be – they don't know where they're going to fall. Let's just put it that way. I think that you look at the personnel of Steven Samkos being unhealthy. Um, we are going to see what happens to Kucherov as far as how, how much they're able to withstand with his injury being out. You look at – talking to players like Pat Maroon and, um, of course, Luke Shen, um, older guys. They went through the ringer. They, they've exhausted themselves, I think, to some degree mentally and emotionally in that bubble. They've already won. You wonder the hunger level, if it's going to be there for John Cooper's group down in Tampa. To me, I know a lot of people from a talent and paper aspect love the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I'm looking at some other sixth sense things uh, going on in that group and what they've already done. And I don't know if Tampa Bay makes the playoffs. If they do, it'll be an early exit like we saw back in 19. Yeah, that's a really good one. You know, the one I'm going with, Joe, is Boston. Um, I'm amazed Ooh. at how many people are picking the Boston Bruins to be better than the Blues this year. I mean, they still have some elite pieces. You still got Bergeron. You still have Brad Marchand. David Pasternak is on the injured list, but he'll be back this season. But Tuka Rask is kind of in this purgatory of where is he going to go? Is he going to be traded? Is he going to be retiring? And then this defensive unit. I mean, you lost two of the biggest pieces on that defensive blue line in Zidane Chara and Tori Krug. I know they still got Charlie McAvoy and a couple of other guys, but I'm just I'm not sold on this Boston Bruins team from what they were when they were pushing the Blues to a Game 7 in the Cup Final to where they are right now. So I just don't see Boston making that push this year. Yeah, it's not a bad call. I mean, you lose your longest current tenured captain in Zidane Chara. I mean, yes, you lose a defenseman, but that's your – that's been your guy. What's what's the culture going to be like? What's yeah. that team? Uh, what's that team going to be like without him? And then, of course, you know, acquiring Tory Krug here. They're losing Tory Krug, and that's going to be a big piece. I mean, you're losing two big, two big pillars back on the back end, and and you don't know with the goaltending there and the situation there if they're going to be able to withstand. Listen, they're going to score a lot of goals. You still got maybe the best line or close to one of the best lines in hockey with that Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak line. But you wonder, you wonder from there where else it may fall off. Bruce Cassidy's got his hands full. I'm telling you right now, I, I agree with you there, Alex, and I think that that is going to be a competitive Eastern Conference or Eastern Division. So, uh, big fan of it. I still like mine a little bit better. Uh, you know, yeah. it's my choice. We but, should put uh, we should put bets on all of these, Joe, and just make it really interesting this season. I like it. I like it. For every one I get wrong, it's one hour of babysitting for your new, your newborn little girl. How's that sound? I love that. And for every hour that I get, or for every one I get wrong. Or you get wrong. I don't even know. I'm confused as hell. Let's just make the bet. <laughs> Let's just make the bet. I'll babysit, Sounds and then good. if you get more wrong, Joe, you can watch uh, Baby Ferrario. How's that? I like it. I like a little Baby Ferrario. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Veer right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. 